Well, 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 been a couple of weeks since we've had the, uh, the opportunity to catch up with Dennis Stewart, who is uh, ready to fire up a health naturally. Dennis, how are you, sir? Mark, I'm very well indeed, and it's very good to be back with you. You look very uh, very astute there in your two-in-you-are little uh, T-shirt. There we go. How there about we go. that? It's always a black shirt of one sort <laughs> or another, Dennis. Uh, however, I have been listening. Eh? You've been concentrating a lot. Uh, on herbs and supplements and also lifestyle that can help with some of the inflammatory conditions mm. around the place, think arthritis, mm. uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so we want to look back today at some of the dietary requirements and see how they may help, some of the more modern dietary requirements, how they may help in this field. Look, I think it's a good topic to take up. People frequently say, but yes, what about diet? Where does that fit into it? And it's a very controversial topic, the relationship of food and diet to the management particularly of arthritic conditions but I'm convinced that there's a case to be made despite the scepticism from the mainstream that dietary modification can affect inflammatory activity and I want to talk today about a couple of approaches that have been developed in the western world by medicos that have proven the benefits of dietary change benefiting inflammatory joint disease. Dennis, uh, I know you're keen to get into the dietary stuff, and we mm. will, mm. Uh, but as of uh, this morning, our brand new uh, equipment was turned on, so I think it only would be fair of me to uh, alert anybody uh, that is keen to not only listen to you, but actually watch you as you uh, divulge your information. <laughs> Up at our uh, website, 2NURFM.com.au, where the webcams are on and you can actually uh, watch the program and you'll see Dennis Stewart in his uh, green shirt ready to go. And I'm not wearing a black shirt. No, well, we can get you one of those. We can get you one of those. <laughs> All right. Um, diet, when it comes to uh, arthritic mm, and, and mm, conditions mm, of, of, of an inflammatory nature, mm. um, how much of an impact do you feel that it may have? Look, I believe that it is an underrated um, approach to addressing particularly arthritic symptoms. And um, very, very frequently patients will say to me, what about the dietary side? Uh, what food should I eat or not eat? Now, there are some conditions where diet perhaps is not as important as it is in others, but in the area of such as hair loss, for example, <laughs> in, in the area of inflammatory joint disease, there is a lot of evidence out there now, and a lot of literature out there now, demonstrating that a change in diet can affect the inflammatory activity within the body. In other words, people that are really battling with arthritic conditions and are being managed by their good doctors and rheumatologists frequently come to a point where uh, drug therapy is getting to them, side effects may be worrying them, and they begin looking for options. Frequently those options can be found in using what we refer to as natural drugs, particularly herbs. And on the program, we've been talking in the last couple of weeks about very common herbs that have historically been used to address inflammatory joint disease. We've been mentioning the oldest of all uh, anti-inflammatory medications that, that comes from the willow bark, still very popularly prescribed, certainly in my clinics, for managing some levels of arthritic activity. So but, even before mm, we get into mm, some of the others, because mm, we'll, mm. uh, we'll just have a look at them one by one sure. maybe, willow bark, can you give us, have you got a couple of examples where that has been introduced yes. and that has actually, so you've actually seen a positive Without impact? A doubt. I dare to say there's a listener today 
who um, was being treated and very competently um, for a fairly significant level of rheumatoid arthritis. And that's a condition that's very difficult to treat and is usually treated by using immunosuppressive medication or corticosteroids. This chap's condition had reached the point where, uh, due to drug therapy, he had been brought to a level of what might be referred to as mild symptomatology. At that point, he moved to use herbs, somewhat to the consternation of those that were managing him medically. And he came to see me and we we decided um, to start him on uh, a significant dosage of a standardised preparation of curcumin and also a standardised preparation of willow bark. And I said, look, I said, this may not be a great choice you've made, but we'll see. Um, and he, at that stage, had decided to move away from, I don't know, it would be, be between 5 and 10 mgs of, uh, of the drug that he was taking. He came back within a month and uh, he said he'd ceased all medication that he'd been taking just the two herbs in the dosage that I had prescribed. And let me say to listeners, dosage with natural drugs, herbal medicine, is as important as it is with mainstream medications. He said, using the curcumin and using the willow bark, he was as comfortable as he was previously on the drug therapy. The only thing that was uh, worrying at this stage was that the swelling associated with his rheumatoid condition had still not resolved. And Mm -hmm. uh, this is um, something that perhaps we could talk about today because I believe there's a way of hastening the swelling associated with some rheumatoid conditions. But you ask the question, and there's a case uh, of a, a recent client or patient of mine who chose to use those two herbs and got great benefit from them. Excellent stuff. Right, we'll, uh, we'll touch on that a little bit more uh, today, Dennis. Good afternoon, Tracy at Bulwara. Uh, you've got uh, some questions about your mum today, Tracy, for Dennis. I have, Dennis, yes. Hello, Tracy. Hello, Dennis. Um, mum's on um, chemo medication, but yes. on four weeks on, one week off. Yes. Um, for a multiple myeloma. And she gets these internal um, digits, her whole body, she said just it digits, and they're just, she said, vibrates. And it's so annoying that she she can't do anything. She can't, um, she tries to push through them, but sometimes she said she just ends up sleeping, um, you know, sleeping. And we've they've sort of tried mm-hmm. to cut to halve the medications or cut it back a little bit and it doesn't seem to to do anything. So is there anything that she could take that okay. might help yes. her? Has it been concluded, Tracy, that these so-called jitters are in fact the side effects of the medication she's taken? No, not 100%. Okay. So it it could be something more to do with the the anxiety, the status of a nervous system at present, uh, rather than a direct relationship to the medications you might be taking. Look, if that is is so, there are a couple of gentle herbs that are used to address anxiety states, particularly where you've got these... Um, neurological type of symptoms, jitters as you call them. I've mentioned a couple of um, herbs that are very safe, that, mm-hmm. are, that are frequently used for, for spasm, um, 
for these unusual uh, conditions that we refer to as jitters. Um, a good one to start with is the passion flower. Okay. Now, a passion flower, if you were to do a search on it, is a very well-defined remedy that has a relationship to nervous system conditions characterized at times by mild spasm, mm -hmm. and it would be one that I would think of straight away. It comes from the European tradition of herbal medicine and is usually readily available in a liquid form or perhaps even in a capsule or a tablet form, certainly readily available uh, in, in liquid form. Um, there is an American herb also uh, that I frequently prescribed and still prescribe called skullcap. Mm -hmm. Now, skullcap is popularly used in Western herbal medicine as what we refer to as a nervine. Now, a nervine is a unique term used by medical herbalists. It's probably not that popular now in mainstream medicine, but a nervine remedy is one that has a non-specific calming effect on particularly uh, anxiety-based uh, conditions, uh, anxiety states particularly reflecting themselves in sort of symptoms that you refer to as jitters. I would see those two uh, remedies as being very, very safe. There is a herb that I speak about frequently on the program called lemon balm, uh, botanically known as Melissa. Now, lemon balm I speak about frequently as a herb that addresses, if you like, particularly gastrointestinal uh, symptoms. People talk about uh, a stomach rumble or there's uh, their stomach turning over like a concrete mixer. That's just because um, it's lunchtime. We haven't eaten yet, Dennis. That's all that is. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a nice one. I'll fix that up. <laughs> it's, oh, thank you, Mark. He's got the black shirt on, see. Um, look, they're three that I would uh, run, run past the hermetical managers. Anything you do for mum along these lines... Mention it to those managing um, your mother. I'm sure yep. in this situation there would be no problems. Those herbs could con uh, confidently be used as a herbal tea, which mm. sometimes yep. okay. uh, yep. sometimes lessens, if you like, the the medical orientation and mm -hmm. takes it more in the in the direction of something that mum can do, and yep. even the doing of something frequently can alleviate it. Yeah, because you. She didn't have them before, but it's only since she's had the multiple myeloma and yes. had the, um, the chemo and the ray treatment and stuff that she's been getting them. But, yeah, they're, they're more frequent and they just sort of, yeah, just knock her right out. So. I, te I tend to think it's it's probably a, a constitutional reaction to the to the assault on the system yep. that, that the treatment has necessarily had. Yes, uh, and yes. this this is where you're using these mild nervines that work yep. non-specifically might just take the edge off it for mums. See how yes. it goes. 281 FM 103.7. Dennis Stewart is here with Health Naturally. And a reminder, if you would like to uh, watch Dennis as he just streams and hovers all over the internet, head up to our webpage, check out the new web cameras as well. Uh, northbound on the M1 at Kurenbong, that car and truck accident, nasty one by the sounds right there in the medium strip. In the meanwhile, g'day, Lewis from Dudley. You are on with Dennis Stewart right now. Hello, good afternoon. Hello, Lewis. How can we help you? Well, I, I got shingles about 18, 18 months, oh, two yes. years ago. Yes. And I'm stuck with post-hepatic neuralgia. Yes. And it's just getting worse and worse by the week. By the week. Uh, I thought by now it would start to, start to improve, but it's not. 
Okay. I wonder what I can do about it. I've tried uh, blocks and with a needle. I've tried all the tablets, but nothing seems to work. Is it localised in a particular area, uh, Lewis, or is it all over your face? No, it's on my starts from my belly button, yes. follows my rib cage, yes. and ends up on my spine at the back. Okay. Now, have you used any preparation known as Zostrix? Yes, I've tried all those all those tablets, everything. Now, Zostrix is a topical application, and it is based on the um, principles associated with with, with capsicum, the oleo... Oh, the chilli the base. The, the oleo resin of capsicum. Yeah. Yes, I uh, have tried that, yeah. Okay. It, sometimes it takes a little while to kick in, but the science behind using uh, the oleo resin of capsicum in a topical preparation is pretty sound. Um, I'm surprised you're not getting some benefit um, from it. But, okay, if you haven't got uh, any benefit from it, there's a few things that might be useful... Uh, to help the uh, one thing that I would be suggesting that you you try is to use some oral medication of herbs that are antispasmodic and have a mild um, useful benefit in addressing neurological pain and and one of those herbs would be a herb called cramp bark It, it is an American herb that's popularly used uh, for painful conditions, um, okay. a, a neurologic in nature. The, the English uh, herb that would be thought of straight away is a herb called wood betony. Uh, it is particularly useful for facial neuralgia, but I can see no reason why it may not be as useful in dealing with this post-herpatic neuralgia syndrome. Okay. And then there is a herb that's not well known, but those of us that practice medical herbalism know of it. And there's a herb called Jamaica dogwood, a weird name. Many herbs have weird names. Yeah. This is known as Pisidia botanically. But Jamaica dogwood has a very strong reputation for dealing with uh, neuralgic conditions. Okay. Uh, and it's one that I frequently uh, prescribe as a starting base for dealing with post-herpatic neuralgia. So okay. there, there are three. How long have you been struggling with it? Uh, nearly two years now. Ooh, that's a long time, isn't it? it that's is, a yeah. long time. Is it, is it de- deteriorating as far as uh, its activity? Like, is it waning or is it still uh, confidently there? No, it's, it's, it's there most of the day and night. Um, I always know it's there, but then it gets mm-hmm. worse in the evenings and, uh, and, the, and the early mornings. Okay. Well, yep. I would be suggesting that you you, you try that um, approach using those particular remedies. They, mm. I think that might be worthwhile going down that pathway for you. I'll give it a go for sure. Give it a go. And if you get some benefit, get back and let us know. We make no promises because this is a stubborn condition. Uh, post-hepatic neuralgia, for the sake of listeners, is a condition that frequently follows from um, the the experience of what's called herpes zoster or shingles. And it can be a nasty condition. Some people uh, recover from it very rapidly. Other people, like this dear gentleman, can experience ongoing levels of uh, painful nerve-based pain 
that can uh, be, be be quite debilitating. But see how you go with that approach. It's a few things for you to think about. Best of luck, Lewis. We'll try and squeeze this one in nice and quickly. Uh, g'day, Carmen. Uh, you'd like to follow up with something from Dennis in previous weeks here. Yes. Uh, Hello, are you Carmen. there, Dennis? How Hello, are you? Hello, Carmen. I'm well indeed. Um, so am I, to a degree. Okay, okay. mine is very, very simple, and you yes. should be able to answer yes. it almost yes. immediately. Yes. Last week you mentioned I've got macular degeneration, yes. but yes. not enough to stop me from driving, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, but I've been on MacuVision for oh, quite a long time good. now, which I good. think is not Great too bad. Yes. However, you mentioned ginkgo. Yes. That's ginkgo biloba. Yes. Was that in conjunction with bilberry? Yes. If if you can uh, take the two together. Uh, that is a recommendation coming from two of America's finest naturopathic doctors, Pizzorno and Murray, in their discussion on macular degeneration in their book, in, in the Encyclopedia of Natural Medicine. Those two herbs are prescribed, and I have always seen those two prescribed together and as being, in my opinion, and it's my opinion, the best representatives of herbs that may have a benefit for yes. various levels of it. Now, well, I know I can't cure it, but, but I'm, I'd love to just stabilise it. Well, right. I'm, you know, I'm not young. The, the, re the reason I have uh, uh, paused for a moment is that some some people um, uh, are not perhaps um, able to use the ginkgo. Um, there's debate on this, but ginkgo has always been seen as something to be used cautiously. Uh, for people that might be on anticoagulant medication or what we call blood thinners. There's debate about that and that has been questioned today and that probably doesn't apply to too many people. And in my opinion, ginkgo is probably one of the most important uh, remedies that we can think of for uh, many degenerative conditions, but ocularly it has some real benefit. Uh, bilberry... However, bilberry. Now, I had bilberry years ago yes, before I had any of this, yes. and I'm not joking. I thought my eyes sparkle. Okay, <laughs> it was that. beautiful. Okay. But listen, Carmen, listen. Carmen, was that the bilberry or was it something else? <laughs> <laughs> no, listen, yes, now listen yes. but I can't get bilberry. I, I want the liquid. I don't want the tablets. Okay. Now, do you sell it at your place at Cumberland Street? Uh, yes, uh, it would be at, um, at Sally Bowen's place. Bil bilberry is a liquid extract. It's very popularly um, available. I'm surprised you can't get it, but if you can't, can't well, get it We there... don't have a health food store here. The next one at East Maitland, I believe, is closed. Okay. Um, so I'm well, running that's around... Sad. That's sad. Now, look, Bilberry... Now, just one more yeah, question yeah, before, yeah, because yeah. I, I do talk quickly and I think that's quickly. Okay. Um, the ginkgo biloba, I am on Naturalix, which is a very, very mild, slow-release blood pressure. Yes. So maybe give the ginkgo a miss and get just go oh, on look, the Bilberry. I, I uh, tend to... I would have reservations. I would not see ginkgo as being always contraindicated in blood pressure conditions. There would be millions and millions of people using ginkgo biloba who have well-controlled, uh, moderate uh, levels of, of uh, blood pressure. I'm talking more about drugs that are used for thinning the blood uh, in cases but of... But isn't that what it does? No. What, ginkgo? No, no, Naturalix. Does, isn't that, wouldn't that be thinning the blood? No, I don't think so. What well, I mean, your pharmacist would be best qualified for that. But if it is a blood oh, pressure, oh Dennis, I thought you knew it all. If it is prescribed as a as a mild diuretic, um, it it couldn't in any way, in my opinion, impact upon upon the potential benefit of what I consider to be. And I say this quite seriously. Yes, I know you do, and what? I know you always cover cover your fences. I know you. One of the you most... always cover your your your, your 
kale. I, I take ginkgo biloba myself and consider it to be one of the most important. Yes, but have, did you have blood pressure? I have blood pressure. It's well controlled. And if he didn't have ginkgo. it by now, he had it for the last five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> You've caused the blood pressure to go through the roof. It was, it was all right till I signed up. Oh, no. I don't You've know got... what there is about yeah. me. It always yeah. seems to happen. Oh, okay. okay. Dennis, I'm going to let you go. Uh, no, look, and, it would be available in, for in... Cumberland Street. All right, best of luck with all of that, Carmen. Dennis, what does it feel like to have been put on notice? Because you How certainly about were that, eh? That was a real come on, wasn't it? <laughs> Good times, great music, and Dennis Stewart, who was here uh, as part of Health Naturally today, answering your questions. And uh, Dennis, uh, for the feedback I've had so far is people are loving watching you through the webcam, mate. Just to let you know that. (laughs) All right, g'day, uh, Greg at Rutherford. You've got a ginkgo question for Dennis today, Greg. Yes, I have. Dennis. Hello, Greg. uh, uh, How are you? Good. Is ginkgo good for the memory and does it raise your blood pressure? Okay. Look, I have said before and I stand by this, uh, ginkgo is one of the um, most useful uh, herbs to use as an attempt to maintain cognitive competency and to lessen decline that happens particularly with ageing as far as our memory functioning and, and recallability. And that is not just based on my confidence in it and my taking it, but that is based on a lot of literature that is out there and, and fairly modern literature. When your call came up, I immediately thought of a bracket of papers that I have uh, that were uh, given at a conference back in New York, I think it was, in, in about 1986. Don't hold me to it. But the chairman uh, of the uh, conference was a Dr. Rapin, R-A-P-I-N. I think it was a Spanish uh, doctor that was working in the area of, of cognitive decline. And he uh, wrote a preface to the papers saying that ginkgo, particularly at that time, was one of the most useful... Uh, natural drugs with potential to assist in the early stages of cognitive decline, uh, the early stages of uh, even uh, Alzheimer's. Now, the early stages, no cure is being mentioned. All we're talking about is uh, a natural drug, as it is referred to, which is popularly used, particularly in Europe, with literature behind it, um, with fairly convincing uh, evidence that it has use in slowing down decline and uh, in, in maintaining what cognitive activity a person might have. Now, is it is it a cure? No one is saying it's a cure. What we're saying is that it has potential. And I have mentioned on this program the the the, the writings of, of a brilliant German medical practitioner, uh, Dr. Rudolf Weiss, who uh, passed away some time ago. He wrote a book uh, entitled Herbal Medicine because he was a great exponent of the medical use of herbs, keeping in mind he, he was a doctor, but like many continental doctors, was well-trained also in, in natural medication, including herbs. In his book entitled Herbal Medicine, particularly the English translation of it, I speak a little bit of German, but I'm not fluent in it. Good in Darbent. <laughs> How's that for you, Dennis? Mein Deutsches Dicks are gut. He speaks in, in that book, very well about the ginkgo. There's uh, one or two pages on the ginkgo, 
which are very well written and very encouraging for conditions such as recall, memory loss. So I take that on board. I have great regard for his writings. I've studied the literature, uh, particularly the European literature, and I do believe that ginkgo uh, can be useful in, in this condition. Does it increase blood pressure? Look, here again, uh, this question has been asked. I, uh, have, I have nothing conclusive to say that ginkgo can increase blood pressure. As far as I'm aware, it has no vasoconstrictive activity. It is a subtle medication. Um, it has perhaps some uh, effect, some effect perhaps on, um, on um, antiplatelet activity. But there again, it's debatable. I, have, I, I know numerous people, Greg, numerous people that are taking uh, the ginkgo that maybe one or two of them have experienced a blood pressure increase, but certainly not something that I've seen too much of, and I haven't read too much in the literature that suggests it does that. If you have any reservations, however, of course you need to discuss it, discuss it with your doctor, who may decide to monitor uh, your BP if you determine to go on to it. That's always a good way of looking at it, that uh, if you can monitor your BP yourself or get your doctor or pharmacist to do it for you, if you have any concerns, well, that can be uh, picked up pretty quickly. But I, I would be uh, very keen uh, to recommend its use. <laughs> uh, g'day, John at Edgeworth. Uh, you have pulmonary fibrosis to discuss with Dennis today. John, we, ha we have you there, John. All right, well, we'll, we'll, we'll just try again. Uh, we'll move to Jenny at Duns Creek. G'day, Jenny. Hi, right, Jenny, we've got you with Dennis now. Hi, Dennis. Hello, Jenny. Hi. I'm wondering, is there any preventative for migraines? Yes, I believe there is. Now, when I say yes for that, um, one must be very cautious and say that, like most medications, no guarantees can be made. Uh, this goes for all medications. So uh, what I'm going to say now is 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 confident and well documented, and I would encourage you to go to the net or what literature you've got to confirm what I say. In in modern times, certainly um, in the last twenty or so years, the the herb feverfew has emerged as having a pretty useful um, approach to managing. Uh, migraine headaches. There's actually a, a, a bit of pharmacology and science behind how it works uh, as a preventative for migraines. It's not useful as a, a treatment for an active migraine, but it is put forward in herbal medicine literature and in some pharmaceutical papers as being useful as a preventative. It's a low-dose herb um, it comes in an encapsulated form. It's an over-the-counter preparation, um, and one takes it with the view of lessening the uh, the frequency of migraine headaches. Does it work? Does it work in every case? No. Does it work in many cases? Yes. Are there side effects? Okay. There are. There is the side effect that occurs very, very infrequently. I have rarely seen it. But sometimes a side effect will occur that affects the mouth. The mouth can become a little bit inflamed, uh, and that's the indication that it's not for you. I have not seen too much of it, but uh, for a preventative herbal approach, 
I think that's the way that I'd be going. And what was it? FIFA more? No, FIFA, F-E-V-E-R, FIFA, few, yep. F-E-W. Like the sound of that, fever few. Yeah, Tennessee Parthenium. Oh, we're going to stick with fever few. <laughs> Good luck, Jenny, there at uh, Duns Creek. Uh, our last one today, uh, Rosalie at Adamstown Heights. Uh, osteoarthritis is something you'd like to highlight today with Dennis. Yes, that's right. Hello, Rosalie. Hello. You're struggling with some osteoarthritis, are you? Yes, and it's on the left leg and the left knee. Okay. And um, the hospital's putting off. An operation for you, so on the basis is non-urgent. Non-urgent, okay. Look, um, the standard approach, I would say, for helping this condition is to use the the glucosamine and chondroitin combination. And there, there, there are numerous preparations of those. Glucosamine and chondroitin, they are the basic ingredients of many uh, osteoarthritic conditions uh, one of those um, is, is a preparation called glucosaplex. And what I'm going to do, seeing you ring into the program, we will send you a container of glucosaplex free of charge and see how you go with that for your osteoarthritis. Oh, that would be great. What now do you, I do with it? You must hang on so that the uh, receptionist who's taking the calls can get your details and we yeah. will arrange to, to send it to you as a gift from the program. Oh, thanks very much. Okay. So what were the two products, glucosamine Glu- and what? Glucosamine and chondroitin, they're the two constituents. <laughs> but there are numerous uh, products that are based on that, including glucosaplex. All right, best of luck there with all of that. Pop you back on hold and, uh, and we'll get that sorted out. Dennis, we, we have run out of time. I know we, we did sort of crack open the conversation earlier. Yes. Uh, a bit of a, just a teaser. We've got about 30 yeah. seconds on how this conversation in terms of uh, diet to help inflammatory conditions sure. will unfold in the upcoming weeks. I want to particularly look at the work done by a Chinese-American, Dr. Colin Dong, who from his own professional background as a doctor uh, was unable to resolve his own arthritic condition, uh, was wheelchaired, became very sick, but resolved his arthritic condition by developing a diet based on primitive Chinese concepts, eating habits. He got himself out of the wheelchair. He wrote a book entitled um, New Hope for Arthritics, became known as Dong's Diet, and it swept the world and has been taken up around the world, particularly the English-speaking world, as one dietary program that has good evidence behind it to suggest that it's worthwhile taking on board as a non-drug approach uh, to address the condition. We'll look at Dong's diet next week if we get a chance. All right, we're certainly looking forward to having a look at that uh, next week with Health Naturally with Dennis Stewart. Dennis, thanks for today. We'll look forward to next Friday afternoon, all right? Good to see you, Mark.